The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and joining us today is our co-producer, Bahati Banks. Bahati. Hey, Jason. What's going on? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I am glorious. Good. You're enjoying our um, summer? You mean you mean the rainy season? Yeah, the is rainy season. The rainy yes. season? Yes, like, the rainy like, season. On cue, it's just <laughs> wet. Every afternoon. What I find to be funny is uh-huh. that it'll rain. We were talking about torrential rain. Yes. Blue sky. Beautiful. Blue sky. Where's the Hot. rain coming from? You know? I don't know. But this is always linger, lingering around. So. It's the funniest thing. Like, yeah. It happened today. Blue sky, <laughs> horrible rain. But exactly. I don't see a cloud in the sky. So right get, now, it's right. Fantastic. Right. <laughs> it's, it's South Florida. Um, so every year, World Sickle Cell Awareness Day is held on June 19th to bring awareness to this genetic disorder that affects approximately 100,000 Americans. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the most common inherited blood disorder babies are born with. And it primarily affects African Americans and people from South and Central America. So, in honor of World Sickle Cell Awareness Day, we've invited Dr. Anne Marie Schaefer. She's a pediatric hematologist oncologist with Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, and she's going to talk to us today about the condition and what parents and teens should know about the hospital's sickle cell transition program. Oh. There's a transition program. There is a transition program, yeah. So um, before we get into that, though, we'll be talking about, the uh, in our coffee chat, teens transitioning to adult care. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. I know. That, you, that, that, I know. All I, hear, all I hear is, you're getting old. <laughs> Basically. That's all I hear. Okay. I'd like to make it very clear, you know, that I, I just recently celebrated a birthday. Oh, yay, yay for me. Oh, happy just, belated birthday. And, and what I celebrated basically was uh, one more year of battling gray hairs. That's right. That's pretty much it. They're already coming out. I, I think they're like lint in my hair, but it's <laughs> actually gray <laughs> hair. But whatever. Anyway. Listen, my gray hair is like white. It's like it stands out. So... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, before we move on, uh, here's a word from our sponsor. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hi, I'm John, your valet at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, and you're listening to Healthy Parenting Podcast pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back. Before we get to today's special guest, Let's share what's making news in the parenting world. Bahate. All right. So what is making news? So since our topic today is about sickle cell awareness, I thought it would be interesting to talk about teens transitioning to adult care. Um, and the reason being is because <clears throat> a lot of kids who are born with conditions like sickle cell anemia, um, we had another show where we spoke with a young man, Jamal, about cystic fibrosis. Um, diabetes, you know, there are a lot of chronic conditions that kids have nowadays, and then they've had, um, but also just in general, kids need to be, and parents need to be aware and informed about how to transition from a pediatrician to adult care. Well, I think I think parents need to know that there should be a transition conversation in general. Yes. Which is funny because, you know, you bring up this topic, and mm. I'm just like, I don't think I had that transition, and I, nor do I think I considered, you know, 
having that kind of talk with my offspring. So mm-hmm. I think just just the awareness that maybe you should have the yeah. talk about this, yeah. you know, and, you know, versus you know what to say first. Be aware that you sh- maybe you should have the talk, correct, and then construct what you want to say, correct. Because yeah. of course, our, our motto here at the Healthy Branding Podcast is communication is key <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, I was thinking about my like personal experience and oh, get um, a little deeper. <laughs> so when I transitioned um, from seeing like a pediatrician to seeing a gynecologist, it was obviously very overwhelming um, because you're used to like sitting in the room with your mom and you know everything is shared with your parent mm-hmm. and. Then when you go to a gynecologist, you're like having a lot more personal conversations about like your health mm-hmm. and you don't want your parents <laughs> in the room <laughs> when they have mm-hmm. uh, ask you certain questions because it is a transition period. Exactly. Like, you know, you're growing, you're developing and it is a, a, a phase that you go through. So um, but I also felt really empowered and a lot more independent because I had to start scheduling my own appointments. Ooh. I was like, Ooh, I'm an adult, you know, kind of sort of. But just that whole process uh, for me was actually kind of overwhelming. But um, it is important. I wish I had like a conversation though, like mm-hmm. you said, with my mom. Yeah, just kind of thrown into it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. It was the last time I'm seeing you. What do you What do you mean? Oh, you got to see a regular <laughs> doctor now. What's oh. a regular doctor? <laughs> like, Aren't you a regular doctor? Right, you know? right. So every parent and teen goes through this phase of life. Um, so the National Survey of Children's Health found that only 15% of youth receive assistance from their pediatrician in planning the transition from pediatric or parent-advised uh, care to more independent adult care, which is extremely low number. Very low. Very, 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 low, low. very, very low. Now, you have two boys. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one is right in that age range, really. Well, 14, I mean, pretty, 15. Much they're, pretty much they're both. I've got, I've both got, a, I've got a, 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 a child who's on the cusp of 15, and yeah. a child is 13. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, they're yeah right they're, I've got teenagers now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they're... they're they're at that age where it's where you're transitioning from pediatrics to, you know, adult care mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. different questions too. Different things are happening in their body. Uh huh. And a lot of things are happening. A lot of times they may not feel comfortable. Like I'm imagining you take your children to their pediatrician mm-hmm. and like you're in the room. Oh, of course, you know, of you're, course, you're yeah. sitting there, you're yeah. listening, you're answering. Of course, and you're the one answering the questions pretty much. You Correct. know, you'll try and throw them a bone and say, you know, uh, you know, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what he told me last <laughs> night was, you know, right. so um, yeah, yeah, being able to speak up for yourself and feel comfortable yes. speaking up for yourself because you know it's funny because that's one of the things we, we tend to to gripe about life and complain about maybe our food, but when it comes mm-hmm. when we're in our doctor's uh, mm-hmm. visits, even as adults, mm-hmm. we clam up. Oh yes. And I think it's because <laughs> yes. we spend the first what eighteen years of our life mm-hmm. being being told, uh, you know, sitting there and being mm-hmm. and our, our our surrogates telling how we feel. Mm-hmm. We don't have that in us, you know, to start discussing it. Right. You know, so it's kind of like that. I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. I think everything's clicking now as you're telling me. <laughs> wait a minute, because you go to the doctor yeah. and it's probably the most clammy and, and silent. Oh my gosh. And, and polite. Yes. You are. Yes, doctor. Um, no doctor. No doctor. Yes. <laughs> I'd like a prescription. Right. How many times a day? And you, you, that's probably the most polite anybody is, yeah, yeah. is when they see the doctor. And that's it, true. It, it stems from that. Yeah, not having that ability to have that transition to know, you know, what to say and be comfortable discussing your care with your with your primary care provider. And if they don't know, like if you don't feel comfortable telling them the truth, like I'm sure a lot of people do oh, not yes, divulge all no, that they they're doing, even if you're like smoking, any kind of any type of mm-hmm. smoking if you're having unprotected sex mm-hmm. and if you're doing drugs and if you're drinking too much alcohol mm-hmm. you're like 
Yeah, I had one drink last week. Yeah, I had one. But it, it, it was a glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> right. No, it was not a blue Long Island in Winwood. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> but it really was. But it, it's, yeah. So anyway, so to address this need, the what's interesting, uh, the American Academy of Family Physicians joined the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American College of Physicians to update a clinical report on healthcare transition called Supporting the Healthcare Transition from Adolescence to Adulthood in the Medical Home. So it's a report that actually is informing healthcare professionals, so pediatricians, uh, family medicine uh, doctors, as well as primary care physicians, about how to go about doing this because it's 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 missing. It's like a missing link. Yes. Um, for parents, no, no for doctors. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I think that's a good idea. I think it's, I think it's something that should be part of the um, maybe the final year of care. You know, even if it's not with the doctor, maybe with the the staff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have a seminar or something mm-hmm, like that. With, you know, mm-hmm. you're on your way out, and uh, we thank you so much. You're on the, the budding cusp of adulthood. Make sure you're honest with your pre-CP. <laughs> there <laughs> <Right>. you go. <laughs> so one site that actually I stumbled across uh, just doing research, it's called, remember the um, commercial Got Milk? Yes. So this is called Got Transition. Okay. Okay. Got All right. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take, take that it. too. GotTransition.org. Exactly how uh, it's, it's spelled, exactly how it's it sounds. So one it's word. A, it's a basically a site for parents, teens, and healthcare professionals where you can literally access everything you could ever possibly want to know about transitioning to adult health care. So they provide questions for parents, um, like, did you know that when your kid turns 18, you technically can no longer be in the hospital room with them? It's funny. Um, I knew that, but but uh, like we were discussing off air, mm-hmm. you know, no primary provider is going to say, okay, you can't come in, mom. You right. know, But they will have that opportunity to, you know, excuse the parents if, if for whatever reason, the, the I don't want to say child, the, uh, the, young, the adult. young adults, <laughs> thank you very much, the young adult obviously feels, you know, uncomfortable mm-hmm. or is not being truthful. Mm-hmm. The doctor can dismiss politely the parents um, or the, par- the, par- the the young adult themselves can say, I don't want my, my mother in there. And, mm-hmm. and they have that right, mm-hmm. that, that privacy right. Yes, exactly. So these are things that parents and kids should know. Mm-hmm. and just be informed about. Um, so some of the questions I thought was interesting that parents should ask their child's pediatrician um, includes, as they're thinking about this, when does my child start to meet with you alone for part of the visit to become more independent in their health care? Oh. Because it really is about independence and empowerment. Yes, exactly. You know, um, do you have a checklist of self-care skills that my child needs to learn? And self-care came up a lot during the research Mm -hmm. because you think about, you know, like you said, when you're a kid, you just do what you're told. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. You don't really. But, you know, as you're maturing, it's important that you adopt self-care skills. Mm -hmm. Like you're even thinking about, oh, yeah, I do have to listen to my own body. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's really important. Another question, can I work with you to prepare a medical summary and emergency care plan for my child? I mean, if you think about it, when was the the last time you had a conversation with your child about, you know, their conditions and diseases and drugs, if they're taking any? Mm -hmm. Some kids are on drugs. They are literally Mm -hmm. on, they have a schedule of drugs that they take. So it's also important just that they're aware, like, what are you taking? Mm-hmm. Why are you taking it? Of course. What is it? Ta- why are you taking it? What are you taking it for? You and know, even even discussing family history. You know, I Correct. didn't I didn't discuss the, yes. the health family history with my uh, mother and father until my thirties. 
yeah. I didn't know what was what mm-hmm. was in our, our family health tree until mm-hmm. it just and it was more of like a you need to check this out because you know Uncle Pete and I said wait what sorry correct and right so yeah I think uh, you know hereditary you know traits and diseases yes. should yes. also be part of that you should know what might be lingering in, yes. your, in your DNA and speaking of that um, and the, our guest Dr. Schaefer will get into that but um, sickle cell disease is yes. caused by a genetic trait yes. that either your mom or your dad carries so even having conversations like that about potential potential risk and for, for what I've from my research what I understood is that if there's uh, partners that mm-hmm. each, each have the trait yes they have a discussion and saying listen do you really want yes to to procreate because yes you have a high 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 almost guaranteed chance of having a child sick of something anemia and that's mm-hmm. not fun mm-hmm. so they say yeah you should actually discuss your family history and your traits with your partners yes because yes you know you don't want to you know unintentionally mm-hmm. you know birth suffering you mm-hmm. know kind of thing so mm-hmm. very good point jason and we actually get into that uh during the interview there's actually a test that you can take oh a blood test that you can take to determine if you carry that trait so we've advanced a lot yes <laughs> yes we have yes we have in terms of just being more informed about our personal health so um, anyway, that's all I have for today. Well, thank you for that coffee chat. <laughs> so I guess I have to briefly discuss the elephant in the room that I uh, missed another one of our uh, special. This this <sighs> time it's my fault. They, they didn't do it without me. Okay. <laughs> and it's funny because it dovetails back into one of our previous episodes, mm. um, uh, uh, sports sports safety. Yes. And so, yes. so you know, long story short, my, my youngest offspring had a hairline fracture in his pinky oh. and it came from basketball. Basically, the ball hit his finger way too hard, way too fast, and the hairline fracture. And, you know, so I had to unfortunately miss our army so I can, you know, do some daddy duties. (laughs) But I'm sure Bahati did a wonderful job. I tried. I tried. I really tried. But I definitely missed you. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. You are listening to Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. To learn more about our hospital, visit jdch.com. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Anne-Marie Schaefer. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. So, uh, Dr. Schaefer, uh, before we get started, I wanted you to share with our audience your role within the Pediatric Hematology Oncology Department at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Well, as you mentioned, I am a member of the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital uh, Department of Pediatric Hematology and Oncology. I have a special interest in sickle cell disease, Mm. and I am actually the director of the transition clinics and the combined sickle cell and pulmonology clinics. Okay, and we'll definitely get into what the transition program means to um, kids essentially transitioning from uh, childhood to adulthood or young adulthood, correct? Yes. Okay, all right. And could you explain what is sickle cell anemia? So sickle cell disease is an inherited blood disorder that affects the ability of red blood cells to carry oxygen throughout the body. Normally, the red blood cells are round and flexible discs. Sickle cell disease causes the red blood cells to change into a curved or sickle 
cell-shaped. Like the tool, a sickle. Exactly, mm-hmm. or like a crescent moon. Right, okay. These sickle cell shapes stick together and um, to the blood vessel walls mm. and essentially block the flow of, of normal blood flow. It kind of thickens, in a sense, the blood? It's more of a log jamming a log effect. Jam. Okay. So when this blood f- flow um, to the areas decreases, mm-hmm. what happens is that healthy oxygenated blood flow is not getting to these tissues. Mm. And so then what happens is you have um, inflammation and, pla- and pain in these areas. Right, right. And pain is the most well-known symptom mm-hmm. of sickle cell disease. Mm-hmm. So what causes sickle cell disease? Sickle cell is actually a genetic disorder. It is inherited the same way many of our genetic traits, such as eye color, are mm. inherited from our parents. Mm-hmm. Sickle cell is a recessive condition that occurs when a child inherits the sickle gene from each parent, mm-hmm. um, one from the mother and one from the father. If a child only inherits one mm-hmm. um, gene, then that child has a sickle cell trait. Mm-hmm. And patients with sickle cell trait do not have any of the symptoms, symptoms that patients with sickle cell have. Okay. So you have to have both sickle cell um, genes. Yes, you inherit in one to, from, from each parent and one from your dad. Yes. So, given that uh, a man or a woman could be carrying uh, the sickle cell gene unknowingly, would you recommend that people who are planning to uh, get pregnant um, get tested? Yes. So, fortunately, in the United States, mm-hmm. um, since two thousand six. Mm-hmm there's a universal newborn screening for sickle cell disease. However, in patients of childbearing years, Mm -hmm. they might not have reached that yet. Right. And in South Florida, we have a lot of patients that have been born in the islands where Mm -hmm. universal testing does not get done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with pregnancy, Mm -hmm. uh, most of the uh, uh, obstetricians do check the mother for the sickle cell trait. Okay. Before, what about before you become pregnant? Like, let's say I want to become pregnant, um, and I didn't know I carried the gene. Is there a test that I could take to see if I was car- like was a carrier of the gene? Absolutely. You could ask your primary care provider just to perform a simple hemoglobin electrophoresis. Okay. And that would tell you whether or not you had this sickle cell trait. Fascinating. Wow. And that could be for the man or the woman. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So it's hereditary. It's passed down from your parents. Um, how then is sickle cell disease diagnosed? You said every child in in the nation, if, if not just Florida, every child in the nation gets yes. screened for There's a universal um, screening program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the newborns. Okay. It's done when they do the heel stick. Oh, and they take a little prick from the baby's yes. heel. Okay, okay. So not in, not too invasive, and just that one little drop of blood will actually give an analysis of different disorders that the baby may have. Yes, okay. and in some cases, they also do prenatal mm. testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something called the chorionic villus sampling, which is typically performed at 10 to 12 weeks. Mm. Uh, and uh, there's also uh, amniocentesis, which is um, performed around 15 weeks okay. of gestation. And I was reading, I said, that's fascinating because I, I didn't realize you could test for many different things um, when you are um, with the amnio, amniocent, amniocentesis Centesis, yes. um, test. There, that's a, a laundry list, I'm sure, of genetic conditions. Yes, including Down syndrome, yeah, and okay. other things. Okay. Yes. okay. So once a baby or a mom, like if 
the mom is expecting and she goes through these tests, if the physician determines that the baby has sickle cell anemia, what happens at that point? So usually the um, state screening exam is performed. Mm -hmm. And if it is abnormal, mm -hmm. they will send out a letter to the pediatrician and also mm -hmm. to the family. Okay. Uh, the family then will go to the pediatrician and they will do um, confirmation testing. Mm, just to validate. Just to sure validate that it is. It's very important um, to find or to confirm the diagnosis mm -hmm. of sickle cell uh, because there are many different types of sickle cell. Oh, how many different types are there? Well, there's four that are most well known, but there's other uh, certain types of, of sickle cell as well. Okay. Uh, the most severe. Um, forms of sickle cell are sickle SS mm. and uh, sickle beta zero thalassemia. Mm. In patients with uh, sickle SS and mm -hmm. sickle beta zero thalassemia, mm -hmm. they begin to lose function of their spleen mm. uh, very early in life. Mm. And uh, the spleen is a, an important organ in pre protecting us from certain types of bacterial infection, mm. including ones with encapsulated organisms. So there are many um, vaccinations uh, that are geared to prevent infection by encapsulated organisms, mm -hmm. such as the Hib and the Prevnar. Okay. Uh, but it's also important that these patients start on what we call prophylaxis uh, with penicillin mm. to protect them from infections. Mm. This begins around two to three months of age and continues until they're five years of age. Okay, okay. And what are the symptoms of sickle cell disease? And when do they first start occurring? Like obviously you're born with it, but do the symptoms occur immediately? Like you can, the baby is actually? When we're born, we have mostly fetal hemoglobin. Mm. And the fetal hemoglobin protects us from having the signs and symptoms of sickle cell. Mm. The fetal hemoglobin, though, decreases with age. And around one year of age, it's almost gone. Mm. Typically, you don't see a lot of uh, complications of sickle cell before the first year of life. Oh. Um, but you can see them you know, as early as six months of age. Okay, but typically it's not until the baby is about one one years old. Yeah, one or older. Okay. Yes. And what are those symptoms? You mentioned pain. Well, the most common thing is pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but all over the body. Because blood flows all, all over, over our body, body yeah, it yeah. can affect every organ system. Mm -hmm. So your skin, everything, everything could feel yes. pain. Wow. Any other symptoms? Um, there's also um, pediatric stroke, mm -hmm. and we have... Um, a test called the transcranial Doppler testing, which should begin at age two and continue until you're 16 years of age. This is a, a non-invasive test. It's like an ultrasound. Oh, okay. Um, that actually looks at the large vessels mm. in the brain, mm. and it tells us mm. with uh, increasing velocities, or in, uh, that you may be at risk for developing a stroke in mm. the future. Now, if the child is deemed to be at risk for a stroke, are there any types of treatments that can be prescribed? If your transcranial Doppler testing is abnormal mm -hmm. with very high velocities, what we usually do is we start you on a chronic transfusion protocol uh, to prevent the development of a stroke. Mm. It's a blood transfusion that's given once a month. 
Oh, wow. So every month the child has to come in and have a blood transfusion. Yes. Wow. Okay. Any other symptoms? Are those, that's the primary two? Well, fever is always a, a major concern. Mm. And we have set a temperature of 101.3. As the max. As the max. Okay. And any time your child would have a temperature that high or greater, we encourage you to proceed to the emergency department um, for an examination and blood tests, including a blood culture, mm. and also to get um, an IV antibiotic as a prevention. Um. So essentially, it sounds like uh, sickle cell disease inflames the entire body, the entire system, in a sense? In a sense. Or sickle cell because your blood flows everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's it can, Yes. Okay. And there's also the red cells, the sickle red cells themselves. They take on. They become very rigid when they mm. take on that sickle cell shape. Mm -hmm. So they're somewhat fragile. Mm. In normal human beings, mm -hmm. um, our red cells last 90 to 120 days. Okay. Because these sickle cells are so rigid, they only last about 10 to 20 days mm. uh, before they break apart. Okay. And that process of breaking apart is known as hemolysis. Mm. And uh, the hemolysis results in the anemia or low blood. Okay. Uh, and sometimes these patients uh, need to have uh, transfusions. Mm. Wow. So I was doing my research and um, the, I read that as children age, as they continue to age, the severity of the symptoms actually increase with age. Is that true? That may be uh, possible for some t types of sickle cell. Okay. Uh, and so you can imagine that as we prepare these children for transition, mm -hmm. that we keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we encourage them to be more knowledgeable about their disease mm -hmm. and to take charge uh, and be an advocate for themselves. Okay. Speaking about transition, so as a child ages um, from pedi pediatric to adult, um, Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital has a transition program or a sickle cell transition program that you head up. Could you talk about that program? Yes. So we start the transition process at about 16 years of age. And we have various videos that we show them, uh, which are sort of, you know, modules of education for oh, them to so become like more learning yes kind of. more aware um, of their uh, their condition. disease their mm -hmm. condition mm -hmm. um, we also uh, do things like um, teach them to make their own appointments mm -hmm. call in for their own medication refills learn how to read the prescription mm -hmm. uh, labels mm -hmm. um, we our team consists of a psychologist um, a social worker um, in child life. Okay. Uh, the social worker helps to prepare the children, uh, making them aware of insurance mm. and also assisting them with uh, education. Mm -hmm. uh, the neuropsychologist or the psychologist also um, helps to assess their developmental level mm. Mm. and help to assist us okay. with the transition process. Uh, and also um, can provide educational resources mm -hmm. for the families. Mm -hmm. 
and the child life specialist, um, you know, has to deal with more of the fun, yes, <laughs> the social fun things, <laughs> <laughs> to keep aspects of things. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a, a really multidisciplinary team of people that work with the with the children as yes. they transition um, from childhood to adulthood. So what are the treatment options for sickle cell disease? Well, the only cure for sickle cell is bone marrow transplant. Mm. And at present, it's bone marrow transplant with a matched sibling donor. That's the gold standard. Wow, so you have to have a brother or a sister. Yes. With a match. Mm. And mm. there's ongoing studies right now that are evaluating other types of transplants, such as cord blood, mm -hmm. um, or uh, maybe even some haplomatches, which would be from a parent, a oh. half match. Okay, okay. Any types of um, drug therapies? Yes, we talked already about penicillin prophylaxis. Mm -hmm. um, we also have hydroxyurea, which stimulates the production of the hemoglobin F, mm. the fetal hemoglobin that we have during the first year of life. And that protects you from And that symptoms. protects you from developing the other symptoms oh. of sickle cell. Okay, and these are lifelong drug therapies that the... As of right now, there's... That's exactly what they are. Okay. okay. Um, in 2017, there was a new drug that was passed called L-glutamine, and that's for indication um, or indicated in children five years and up mm. with sickle cell. Okay. And that's proven to have uh, effect uh, to decrease some crises, mm. uh, pain crises, mm -hmm. visits to emergency departments, and things like that. Okay. 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 So how can parents or children um, approaching 16 or in that age range find out more information about the sickle cell transition program? Can they just call the office directly? They can call our office directly okay. at 954-265-2234. One more time. 954-265-2234. Perfect. And do you have any takeaway advice for parents or children or teens um, living with sickle cell disease? Any last, last words of wisdom? Well, I think it's very important that we just encourage healthy living. Mm. And, you know, eating well, mm -hmm. getting a lot of rest, drinking lots of fluids, mm -hmm. being very supportive um, to the needs, and also making sure that you have a good uh, primary care provider mm. and to see your uh, hematologist on a regular basis, not just when you're sick. Mm. Why is that important? It's important to stay current on what's going on out there. There might be some new treatments. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of research going on and new medications are being discovered in other fields mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it also helps to establish a relationship and also to be monitored for uh, long-term complications of the disease. Okay, so that relationship between the primary care physician and the hematologist is critical. Memorial Healthcare yes, System also has a sickle cell day hospital um, that is designed for adults with it's, sickle cell disease? Right, it's open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. for patients ages 16 years and older. The day hospital provides individualized treatment for acute pain crises and other symptoms of the sickle cell disease. Mm -hmm. It's designed uh, with the idea of keeping patients um, out of the hospital mm -hmm. and preventing them from having to go to the emergency department. Which is typically where if someone has a pain crisis, they end up 
going to the ER most yes. of the time? Yes. Okay. Okay. This allows you to get treated within a couple of hours mm -hmm. in a very calming environment. Mm -hmm. uh, the same type of treatment that would be offered to you in an emergency department. Mm -hmm. You can go home and sleep in your own bed and come back the next day if you need to. Nice. Which um, facility is the day hospital run out of? It's uh, run out of our Memorial Regional location. Awesome. Okay. And again, you can always visit our website at mhs.net for more information. Anything else you want to share, Dr. Schaefer, before we go? Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you um, for having, having me. Having you here today on our show. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Share it with others and like the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital Facebook page. See you next time. Bye.